Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Must have had a beverage. <laughs> Why would you ring the doorbell four times? <laughs> and I told you we're literally recording. The message says, "Okay, just text. We are recording." Hi, Erin. <laughs> hey guys, it's Joy Marie and it's Courtney. Welcome back. Welcome to another session with your group chat girlfriend. Yes, and we're so excited. Spring is here. It's Easter weekend. Yes, it's like good weather maybe good you'll weather, stay maybe vibes. we can only hope and we have a really exciting conversation coming up for you guys this episode we found a global tech salary report on the internet and we just had to have hire.com come in and talk through the research right so we're talking about trends and salaries and whether it's focused on tech but yes. whatever field you're in is really important whether you're like negotiating your salary want a new opportunity it's important to know what's happening definitely definitely a game changer so stay tuned but first y'all know we like to check in it's been a little while in the studio on our side. yes whole worlds have shifted girl changed, what is baby. going on you look great thank you <laughs> you got a glow yes I have a testimony. A testimony. I don't go to church like Hallelujah. that anymore. <laughs> I know my mother is listening like, what? What? <laughs> but, uh, so I'm going to just testify up in here. Hallelujah. So log line summary is I have a new job. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, we always tell our guests like to check in with HR before they mention their yeah. job. So I'm going to follow that advice okay. <laughs> but it's easy to find out it's a blessing it's in the public yes record. it is it is um but i really want to talk about because like the job is like the signifier but i feel like it's this whole like cycle mm. has ended in my life mm. and, like a new one is starting mm. and it's a maze okay so i want to go back to um so a year ago this time last year I was not yes. <laughs> in the best place. Yeah, no, I can testify to that. It was just like I had all these great freelance opportunities, but I kind of spread myself thin mm-hmm. with like school. So I was stressed out. Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't even sure if I wanted to stay in school anymore. Mm. And then I'm looking around and I'm just, I was like, when is my sleigh going to yeah. catch up with me? Yeah. Like, because, you know, I have a great circle. Yeah. Everyone is doing great things. And I just didn't feel like no shade to like my past job. <laughs> I just didn't feel like I was just at the level that mm. I was supposed to be. Mm. And I have been looking for jobs like on and off. Off. Yeah. I couldn't decide what I was supposed to look. And I was just like, not good. Yeah. Add to that, there was an election happening oh that was gosh. just savage. Terrifying. Then I had a couple losses. Mm-hmm. Like, the two loves of my life mm. passed away within a week. Mm. A lot. 2016 was just not the move. Yeah. So, at the end of that year, it was either the end of the year or the beginning of the year. Yep. I was like, fed up. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I recall. <laughs> I was fed up and I literally looked to the heavens and I yeah. said, Q1. Ooh. Something is Q1. changing. Mm. Q like that's okay. my that was my mantra. Q1, okay. something is changing. And I I think that shift 
And it was also like actions too, because mm. like I did things like my job search differently. Like I mm. talked to people more yeah, to about be clear, it. You're, you were actively searching right. last year. Yeah, I talked to people about it. And it's interesting that like this job I applied for like before the end mm-hmm. of the year, it like just popped up out of nowhere. Yeah. And it came back. And it's interesting because I remember like years ago when I was talk- listing out like possible dream mm-hmm. jobs, like this Did type you? of institution was one of the places that I oh, would want to work. Wow, look at that. So, uh, I can't wait for y'all to know because it's a sleigh. It's a <laughs> it's serious pretty, It's pretty good. <laughs> so it's just interesting because it just feels like. I look around like I'm getting ready to move in a cute new place. Yes. Honey, the coin is right. (laughs) And I just look around like, oh my, it looks like it's supposed to look now. Like my life looks like it's supposed to look. And it's just like thinking about like this time last year, Mm -hmm. thinking about like when I first moved to New York or that time I got kind of fired. Mm. (laughs) And just all these places where I was just like, you're pushing towards something. something. Mm-hmm. You don't always know what you're pushing yeah. toward, but you're like, I'm just gonna try to move in the right oh, direction. I love that. I'm and so proud of you. Thank you. I just want to tell y'all that, like, keep pushing. One yes. day, like, literally, it's over. Like, it's overnight. Yeah. It's not overnight, yeah. but it's like one day you look up and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm up in here. Yeah. Oh, so, I love that. Thirty is about to be really cute. Oh my it's gosh. Really. So. Really. Cute. All of that is like you're speaking to me personally, <laughs> me, myself, and I right now because I feel like I'm in a weird kind of mm. space. You know, I'm not going to say I'm where you were last year or anything like that, but I'm definitely in kind of a mm-hmm. miserable rut right now, if we're being completely honest. And it's a number of different reasons that mm-hmm. I'm not fully at liberty to get into um, on the show yet. Mm-hmm. I will at some point. But it's definitely, like, a lot of things swirling in my head, a lot of different feelings. And, yes, there are, like, good things happening. Like, I moved into my own place. I feel great about that. I'm, like, really getting to know myself and my interests and what I like and dislike. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I feel like I don't know what anxiety looks and feels like, but I feel like I've kind of been, like, experiencing more of that lately. Interesting. Yeah, like, our other mutual friend, Erin, she'll tell you, like, I'll text her and I'll be like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm so, like, on edge today. Mm. And so to your point about taking steps and being active, I don't know what the solution is yet. And so saints, lift me up in (laughs) prayer. Um, It is definitely a valley right now. But, I mean, some little things that have helped have been talking to you about it and, you know, our other friend in our group chat, talking to my family about everything that I'm feeling and having them just reassure me, like, you slay. Yeah. You're amazing. Yeah. You're great. She rolled up in the studio. (laughs) Beat. That is another thing. I have been like, let me, so let me control the things I can control. I have lost 17 pounds, honey. I'm doing my makeup every day, keeping it together. Um, Things that make me kind of, like, look good and feel good, Mm -hmm. even though, like, my world is kind of, you know, we're going through some things. But, um, you know, that is very interesting. There's this thing in astrology. (laughs) It's called Saturn's Return. Okay. Everyone else will probably call it turning 30 because it happens every 30 years. And it's just like you go through this phase where you're questioning everything, like, Mm. Who am I? Who am I not? What do I want to be? What am I not? Mm. And the culmination of it, which is usually why you see people level up around 30, mm. is because you come to this, like, place where you're like, oh, 
got it mm. and move forward. Mm. So I feel like you about to it's coming. That yeah, I is, really, I'm turning thirty yes. this year. I claim it. Yes. Like this year Level will up. be a year of change yes. um, and everything, but. You know, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Um, taking control where I can. Another thing is, like, I stopped taking advice from people who don't have it. Oh. Like, <laughs> and this is a word because you really have to be careful. Like, yes. everyone has an opinion of what you should be doing, where you should be, what you should be focused on. I feel like we all know inside and, mm -hmm. you know, we have that voice. Um and, you know, depending on what you believe in, like, you have that voice that's guiding you and kind of pointing you in the right direction. So stay true to that. Yeah. And stay true to what your own desires and ambitions are. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for a new season. I'm yes. ready. Your yes. flourish inspires me. So yes, girl, keep pushing. Thank you. All right, you ready for this? Yes. Let's do it. Right, it's time for rants, raves, and reviews. That special time of the show where we talk about what's helping and hindering us in our lives. Yes. Personal, professional, all the things. Mm -hmm. So today, Joy. Yes. Rant, rave, or review. I'm raving. Nice. I'm raving. Um, good things are happening. So we were recently recognized on a list on Refinery29. Yes. Five so podcasts fast. made for and by black women. Thank you. Praise. Thank you. Yes. Um, and there were some other favorites on there, like Two Dope Queens mm -hmm. and Black Girl Nerds. So I thought that I would actually share and rave, because I don't know if I've done this on the show, some of my favorite women-led podcasts oh. for your listening pleasure. Um, so the first one, Courtney, you put me onto, yes, is actually is. Hey Cool Job. And that's by Mary H.K. Choi. Um, it's a really awesome show. It's exactly what the title sounds like. She kind of spends an episode interviewing different people who have really cool jobs in yes. the New York area. So everything from like a librarian to um, the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. Really yes. interesting, fascinating trajectories. Yeah, I love that show. And she asks like the best questions. Yes. Like, I love so her. So good. She's yeah. also on Vice News. Oh, you know she? That? She's no, an I didn't. anchor. On oh, their, like, um, the, their nightly new show. Oh, I haven't looked into her beyond yeah, the podcast. She's super fly. I love she's it. Super fly. Dope. My second is the Naked Beauty podcast by Brooke DeVard. Um, and I'm actually on the latest episode, so kind of a shameless plug. For her podcast, I really love the mm -hmm. angle. It focuses on uh, the things that kind of make us feel beautiful. So not necessarily just mm -hmm. beauty trends and products, but how you define beauty and how that makes you feel both on the inside and the outside. So on my episode, we talked a lot about cultural appropriation and just sort of like, you know, how European features tend to be a little bit more um. praised in the media and just what it means to kind of be a black woman in beauty and things like that. So definitely check it out. But I love her show overall. So shouts to the Naked Beauty podcast. And then my last one is from a past guest, Darian Simone Harvin. Oh, love it's Darian. Am I Allowed to Like Anything? Um, and I feel like her show is super underrated. Mm -hmm. Like she has amazing interviews with young people who are killing it in media, pop culture, marketing, um, and just like real culture shifters, trend makers. So definitely check it out. It's called Am I Allowed to Like Anything? And all three are everywhere you consume podcasts. Nice. Great what are for you, you doing? Commute. I'm raving as well. Yes. Because I'm gonna rave you know, time of my life. <laughs> so um, I just 
recently came back from South Africa. Yes, she did. Like, <laughs> casual. Like casual. Um, and I've become obsessed. Now, this is something you have loved for some time, mm-hmm. immensely. And I've been like, oh, that's cute. Okay. <laughs> but it did. I know, I know. It's okay. It did. <laughs> you were right. I've been converted to Afro. Oh, praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was something about being on the continent mm. and then the music playing. And it's like now... I just I have to keep it with me all yes. like when I, I was getting it. used to this new commute, which is a fool. <laughs> the only thing getting me out the bed at seven AM is Africa. Yes. Like it just shifts my entire what energy. Are you listening to? So I have to know. Well first is like does everyone know what Afrobeats is? I don't know. Wait, actually probably not. Okay, so Afrobeats is it's a music from Africa. Yeah. Um, it's inspired. I feel like Fela Kuti was yes, one of the, yes, one of the pioneers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's kind of like an island vibe, mm-hmm. but very drum heavy. Yep. And it's got like a jazz funk thing. Yep. It's colorful. It's nice. Yes. So I've been obsessed with Mr. Easy. Mm, that's a good one. He has this album called Acra to Lagos. Yes. Oh my God. And like I've gotten everyone's to Yes. Everyone. You you actually, I think I saw one of your posts and went and listened. And Legover is my jam. <laughs> but she got the guy with the send that money from London. She just see me like a Johnny just come. Yeah. I'm on Kiri Oke, Baboon, he does the top. Ah, easy. E-A-Z-I. Yeah, E-A-Z-I. My other guy is Burna Boy. Mmm. That is a talented man. Some of them used to be my friends. But now they switch sides to me. I wonder why they all pretend. Even though it ain't clear to me. What's the gain in the end? Only one thing glad of me. Me really can't trust no friends. So you have to watch your friends. Some of them don't really want you reach. Speaking no of Vice, he's on uh, Viceland. Uh, or no, not Viceland. A noisy yeah, I documentary saw that. on Afro Beats, actually. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So what, what's the vet? The veteran lover. The veteran? What, what are you? No. Oh, me? <laughs> Um, oh, I listen to everything. There's an amazing uh, podcast that Spotify creates called African Heat. Yes. And I love Spotify podcasts because they'll keep updating yeah. them. So they'll keep me current. Um, I am actually listening to the Mr. Easy album, Accra de Lagos, a lot. I am listening to a lot of WizKid. WizKid mm-hmm. has a new single with Drake, Come Closer. Um, yeah, there's a ton. And like, if you love Drake. Yes, you love Like, it. I was just listening to like, oh, so, th- oh. Yes. Oh, okay. A lot, <laughs> a lot of music that you probably didn't know was Afrobeats inspired is. Yes. But yeah, this brings me so much love. I know. I love it. I love so it. usher in the summertime. Yes. guys so we're so excited to be joined in the studio today with jessica kirkpatrick who is a data scientist for hired now hired recently commissioned what they're calling the 2017 state of global tech salaries and for the second year in a row they tapped into their own data to reveal insights into technology workers salaries and the hiring market more generally now courtney and i found this really compelling and we wanted to have a discussion and bring you jessica on because 
there's a lot of insight around, you know, how we can be thinking about our own salaries, how we can be thinking about relocation and um, cost of living when we factor in all of the different elements as we make our decisions in our careers. So Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. Excited to be here. Yeah, and I think a great way to kick off the conversation is kind of talking about why it's important to be transparent about our careers. I know historically people kind of keep that very close to the chest and they don't want to reveal that. But why is it important to be kind of out in the open about what we make? Yeah, I know that when I was growing up, uh, talking about money was definitely really a taboo topic in my household. And so I understand that a lot of people don't want to talk or be forthcoming about the salaries that they earn. Um, However, Hired's research has found that Um, candidates tend to receive salaries close to what they asked for. Mm -hmm. And so if candidates don't know their market worth or what they should be asking for or what they could earn, then um, they're more likely not to receive that salary. And we find that, unfortunately, um, underrepresented people in tech, like white women, people of color, and people over the age of 45 uh, are asking for less than their white male younger counterparts. Um, And so without this transparency and people knowing what they should be asking for, um, it's actually tending to hurt these underrepresented groups more um, than uh, the people in the majority. Now, how did you guys go about conducting the research and even finding out this data in the first place? So at Hired, uh, we're a company that helps people find the job that they love. And we do that by facilitating Um, the job search between um, thousands of companies and tens of thousands of candidates every year. Um, And as part of the product, we see hundreds of thousands of interactions between candidates and companies at all stages of job seeking, from the interview process to uh, final rounds to negotiations. So this provides like a really unique perspective into salary offers and negotiations based on real offers from real companies. Using this data, um, I was able to provide current statistics and research in the tech job market in the 16 cities and six countries that Hired is currently placing candidates. That is really awesome. And I have to say, that's kind of one of the things that caught my attention when I saw the findings was just like real numbers, you know, attached to real markets. It's really refreshing and kind of rare to see. Yeah, a lot of the salary data that's out there is self-reported, you know, things on companies like Glassdoor, and it's hard to know if that's uh, real or exaggerated or biased in some way. Yeah, absolutely. So could you share just like a very high-level summary of what it is that you found for our listeners who maybe haven't seen the report yet or aren't familiar with the research? Sure. So I'd say that there were three main big takeaways from this report. The first was that it um, markets outside of San Francisco uh, still continue to be super attractive, especially when you consider the cost of living. For instance, in Austin, the average salary for the software for a software engineer on Hired's platform is $110,000. But when you adjust for the cost of living, this is the equivalent to making $198,000 in San Francisco, which is much higher than um, San Francisco software engineers are being paid. Amazing. Um, second, <laughs> I know, right? Let's all move to Texas. <laughs> Um, the, the, second, uh, the second key finding is that it does pay to relocate. 
We found that candidates who were relocating to other cities were getting higher offers on average than candidates who were uh, staying locally um, for 12 out of our 16 markets. That was the, the case. Um, and then the third piece that was really interesting was around um, salaries to people of color um, and people who were over the age of 45. We found that African-American candidates on the platform were um, more likely to get a job and were um, getting uh, more attention from our companies, but they were receiving lower salary offers. Um, they, on average, were being paid 8% less than their white counterparts. Um, and then we found that people over the age of 50 were getting pay, getting salary offers around the same as those who were 10 years younger, even though these candidates presumably had a lot more experience. Mm. So let's um, kind of drill down in each of these areas a little bit further. So um, you mentioned relocation, and a lot of times we kind of associate that with a cost to us, like yes. having to up in our lives and move somewhere else. So can you talk a little bit about how uh, your research kind of proved the opposite of that? And what markets should we look into when thinking about relocation? Sure. So um, Hired found that in the U.S., um, the cities where it was most lucrative to relocate were Chicago, L.A., and D.C., meaning that candidates who were relocating to those cities got much higher salaries than candidates who were staying in those cities. Um, and abroad, we found that candidates relocating to France were paid um, much more than local candidates in France. So there's that aspect of relocation, meaning that how much are candidates who are relocating getting paid for the same jobs in a city versus local candidates. But then there's also the just raw salaries of different, different locations uh, when you adjust for cost of living. If you look at just the kind of raw amount of money that you make in different cities in the U.S., Hired finds that San Francisco and New York have the highest raw salaries. But those two cities also happen to be two of the most expensive cities yeah. to live in in America. <laughs> um, and so when you adjust for the cost of living, you find that even though, the, like I said before, even though the raw number of salary you're getting is lower in some cities like Austin or Denver, because of the lower cost of living, you actually end up having a lot more purchasing power in those locations. So we're just trying to hi highlight that it does really pay to consider other opportunities and that you shouldn't just look at the raw sticker price, but think about the cost of living and how far your money will go in these different locations. Yeah, I love that. And that's, I mean, something that I hadn't really thought about um, in terms of like, you know, when you're considering new career moves, you can think about the salary, the vacation, all of that, but weren't really looking at cost of living as, you know, yeah. something to factor. And so I think that's huge. Um, was there anything that stood out about the findings of the U.S. market versus the global roles in terms of global relocation? So because Hired has um, our biggest markets in the U.S. in terms of our candidates that are seeking jobs, most of the people who are relocating abroad are coming from the U.S. And we did find that relocating candidates were getting paid a lot more than local candidates for all of our international locations, which include Canada, Singapore, U.K., Paris, and Australia. 
That being said, all of those locations did have significantly lower salaries than most of the U.S. cities, even when you adjusted for cost of living. So while people coming from the U.S. are getting paid more than local candidates, they're still getting paid less than they probably would if they stayed in the U.S. However, a lot of these other places do have benefits that we don't have in the U.S., like a national health care system or really cheap or free college education. And so things like that were not necessarily incorporated in the cost of living adjustment calculation. Um, It was more day-to-day costs like groceries, taxes, gas, housing, things like that. Got it. So we've talked about like relocation, thinking about cost of living, which are all things like we can kind of control. But the third area you discussed is kind of something you can't help, like your race, your age. So what can job seekers do to combat that bias um, and get those higher salaries? Higher believes that transparency and consistency are really the key to find, fixing bias and discrimination in hiring. And this can happen on both the candidate and the company side. So on the candidate side, um, it's important that people have access to understanding what people with their skill sets are being paid, Mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons why we release data like this. Hired also has now in its sign-up flow a tool which helps candidates set their salaries um, based on the data that we have. And the hope there is that it will give candidates the data at that time so that they know what their worth is. Um, And then on the company side, it's really important that hiring managers have clear rubrics for how they determine salaries, um, who they hire, and who they promote. Uh, And companies should be regularly looking at how their compensation across the organization is uh, and adjust for any inequalities or imbalances that have occurred within their organization. So at Hired, we actually, every six months, review uh, pay across the entire company and make sure that there aren't any inequities um, or imbalances that need to be corrected. Yeah, I like that. You know, one of the charts that Joy pointed out to me was the difference um, it mapped out like what you asked for for the salary and what you got yeah. um, across races. So it was interesting that people of color, they asked for a much lower salary than their white counterparts. And I think that kind of attitude as well. So to your point about sharing our salaries, that helps us make sure we're asking for the right thing. And the problem with understanding the underlying issues behind white people Um, of color or women are asking for less is that that's probably based on what they're currently making. And what someone is currently making is probably based on biases and inequities that they've faced their entire career. 
We found in the study that we did um, around women and wages and hiring that uh, women's wage gaps got worse um, further in their career than at the beginning in their career. And we believe this was because small inequities at the beginning of their career compounded and became worse over time. So, you know, I think naively you could say, oh, well, black people just need to ask for more money and all will be fixed. But really, it's that black people were not offered or were not getting the promotions or were not getting fair salaries to begin with. And now they're basing their salary expectations on a current salary that has discrimination and bias built into it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's it can be disappointing, but I think armed with this information and knowledge, um, it's important that we're all really advocating for ourselves. To your point, at every stage of our careers, because it does it is a compounded effect. So, you know, even if you have experienced sort of a lower underpaying salary, you know, what can we start to do as we look ahead and try to move past this and use this information to make sure that we are, you know, advocating for ourselves and negotiating more actively? Exactly. I actually had an experience while using the hired platform where I had set my salary uh, based on my previous salary. Um, and my talent advocate, which we assign candidates a, a talent advocate to help them through the process, um, the job process on our platform, my talent advocate actually said to me, listen, you could be asking for a lot more money here. Um, you don't have to, but I would recommend that you try upping your salary preferences um, by 20% and see if that gets you the opportunities that you're interested in because I'm looking at your market worth and I'm looking what other people are asking for with your skill set and it's, it's much higher than what you're asking for. Um, and so for me, that experience actually resulted in a pretty large pay increase between my last job and, and my current job because I had someone who could arm me with that information and that data. That's amazing. And I think it happens more often than not. And it's always kind of amazing when you get that that offer with that higher number and you know it's done and you're just like wow like I could have been leaving money on the table because I had a similar experience too about three and a half years ago I was making like a measly 15 bucks an hour or something freelancing and advertising and I remember working with um, a talent uh, scout or a headhunter I think it was to find new opportunities and I said you know I'd like to be in this range and um, you know it was vastly more than I was making salary wise. I think it was something like 60 or 70K or something like that. And she was like, that's ridiculous. You were making $15 an hour. That's like 30K a year. Um, but just by putting that higher number out there, I attracted higher paying opportunities. Mm -hmm. So I was interviewing for opportunities that were even double what I was looking for. I didn't get those jobs, but I attracted like more money by asking for more money, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that matches what we find on our platform, that uh, when people ask for more money, they end up getting opportunities that are at that level or higher. Love it. All right. So as we kind of take a look at all of this research, what are some um, emerging roles or, you know, new areas of expertise that are commanding high salaries in the tech space that our listeners should really be looking out for? So I think the reputation in the tech industry is that Software engineers are king and make the most money and are the highest in demand roles. But we actually don't find that to be the case here um, using hired data sets. 
We find that the uh, role that pays the highest is actually product managers, even when you control for years' experience. Uh, so uh, product managers make, on average, uh, $138,000 on our platform, whereas software engineers make um, more like $112,000. Uh, we also found, and this might be slightly self, self-serving because I am a data scientist, um, <laughs> but we found that data scientists were one of the most in-demand roles and growing um, the most year over year on the platform. Uh, it just seems like more companies, not even just tech companies, but enterprise-level companies are needing someone who can sort through their massive data sets and help make strategic and business decisions using them. So we've been seeing a big uptick in interest in our data scientists over the last couple years. Amazing. Product managers and data scientists. Get on it, guys. Get that coin. (laughs) Awesome. So thank you so much, Jessica, for sharing these great insights with us. So if the listeners want to learn more about the reports Hired is doing, where can they find more information? So all of our reports are on um, the Hired blog. So you can go to blog.hired.com to see our reports. And we're about to release a new report in April on the gender wage gap. So keep a lookout for that one. Very interesting. Love it. Well do. Hey, guys. Now it's time for my favorite segment of the show where we get to answer your listener questions. This mm-hmm. is Ask Jaw Blogs. As always, you can hit us up anytime at jawblogs.com slash askjawblogs. Now you can also hit up our hotline at 929-324-1090. I was singing that pretty Ricky song when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, our first question up is from Kay. And she says, hey, ladies, I'm curious to know, how did you make the switch? Join Marie and Courtney. I've been at my design job for about two and a half years. Short, I know, but it's far from fulfilling. I know Joy Marie has talked about being a designer for some time, then switching over to more administrative work. As a creative, not wanting to be burned out or despise my love of design, I think I'm ready to jump ship and do something completely different before it's too late. Today, I was handed an assignment and I cringed inside. Oh no. My <laughs> Girl, I was there like weeks ago. Um, <laughs> any tips on how to make the switch to nonprofit and where to look? Nice. Um, well, yeah, I definitely switched to nonprofit. Girl. Yeah, die for you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Nonprofits are always eager for good talent. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I would say the same advice as any industry for the most part. And we talked about this a lot in past um, Ask Job Blogs episodes. But I would focus on whatever transferable skills you yeah, have for the sense. job that you're applying to. So uh, you didn't state it here. Um, for nonprofit, like the the advice I'd give that's differentiated for nonprofit is that it helps to have a real passion for the cause and the mission of mm-hmm. the nonprofit. So it helps to be connected. Um, if you go back and listen, actually, to our holiday minisode with Miranda Bernard, I think it was from the Children's Miracle Network. Oh yeah, yeah. She talked a lot about um, going between for profit and nonprofit and kind of skill sets and and what's valued in that space. So definitely yeah. check that out. In terms of resources, look on sites for opportunities like idealist.org, that's I-D-E-A-L-I-S-T.org. 
Um, there's also, I just did some quick research on the internet. There were a ton of articles, but like mm -hmm. Next Avenue has a whole article aggregating like tons of nonprofit sites that have great job listings. So nice. it's not hard to find. Um, just not I think all. narrow in on your functional role, which you're interested in contributing, and then you know what causes you care about. Yeah, I would say um, also look, the way I found a lot of jobs is looking at, I don't know what the word is for them, but they're like the, when all the organizations have different associations. Mm, like trade associations? Yeah, like trade Member associations. associations. Yeah. Like in New York, there's like the Foundation for the Arts, mm. and they kind of post a lot of things there. And yeah. I've noticed I get like a lot of attention mm. and I think it's because you, you, they know that you went to this specialized place so they kind of oh, know that you're focused. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And then it's always tap into your, your existing network. Talk right. to some people who work in nonprofits, um, use LinkedIn, all of that. But good luck. Oh, the other thing I would say is um, I don't know why you want nonprofit, you didn't say, but if you're looking mainly just for causes, mm -hmm. you can also look at for-profit departments that are, uh, you know, designed True. around a specific cause, like corporate CSR social, stuff. exactly, corporate yeah. social responsibility, diversity and inclusion. Like sometimes on the for-profit side, you can kind of still have the same yeah. functional um, capabilities. So good luck. Good luck. All right. Next, we have an update actually from Aspen. Um, oh, this you guys, is fun. Yeah, you guys remember Aspen from last episode. This was the freelance photographer that was thinking about relocating and pursuing more of her photography passion versus the uh, the desk job that she <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> she was so, loving that job. Yeah, but first, like before we get into her update, we actually had another listener. Come on, Alex, community. Right yes. in with a resource for Aspen. So I'm Job just going to share village. it. Yeah. It says, hi, Jeremy and Courtney. Recently, you shared a letter on the podcast from a photographer looking for work. I saw this and was wondering if it would be possible for you to pass on the opportunity to that person. There is a grant application from Getty Images to do photojournalism work. And the grant is um, under Getty Images editorial grants. And she sent the link, which we emailed over. So nice. thanks, Alex. And we love this. Like, y'all are amazing. <laughs> So on to Aspen's actual update. Hi, Joy Marie and Courtney. Thanks for reading my letter on the show. I just wanted to update you on what's happened since I wrote that letter. I quit that job and I found part-time work to free up my schedule to do more freelance work. Since then, I have been networking my butt off at networking events in my area, <laughs> engaging on Twitter chats on, and on Instagram, and have a working relationship with a graphic designer to revamp all of my branding Come collateral. Out. We are currently working on mailers to send to local ad agencies so I can be on their radar for any photography opportunities. I've also had some small wins, such as being published in Sessie Magazine, um, photographing for the San Franciscan audioware brand Tinsel.co, and working with a local online boutique to photograph her lookbooks. I'm still struggling to find consistent work, but I'm taking your advice and exhausting all avenues before trying to move. On the other hand, I'm still contemplating the move to LA for their stronger fashion scene. I have family out there that I can stay with until I get on my feet, and I've been researching available jobs and freelance opportunities. I plan on taking two trips out there this year to fully vet my fully decision vet. and yes. make connections, set up interviews before deciding to move. Lastly, yes. P.S., my portfolio <laughs> is popping. <laughs> and she links to it there. Awesome. That is somebody with a plan. Yes. I love Kudos it. Kudos to you, Aspen. It sounds like you have got it together. You have a plan in place. Mm -hmm. So good luck to you, and definitely keep us posted. We are sure you will be very successful. Yes, come on. Send a testimony in. <laughs>
hired and fired. <laughs> <laughs> so this is one of our favorite parts of the show. Yes. We were spotlight people and pop culture, business, whatever, just in the public sphere that are killing it. Mm-hmm. That's when we give them those hired mm-hmm. papers. And then if they're doing not so well, then they got to get fired. Yep. So we're doing something a little different. Joy has something up her sleeve. Yes. You know, it's it's been a, a minute in real life since we've convened <laughs> in the studio, and a lot has been <laughs> happening in the world. So we thought we would just do a little roundtable rapid fire. Um, unfortunately, it's all fired today. <laughs> <laughs> rapid fired fires because the world has gone amok, and yeah, there's sure. a lot to discuss. It's following the leader. Listen. So, Courtney, first up, United. Tragedy. <laughs> Tragedy. United. Um, so, in case you have been living under a rock or missed it for whatever reason, recently a, um, a man, a young doctor, was forcibly dragged from his seat. And bloodied. Aboard a United flight, um, leaving from Chicago, headed to Louisville, Kentucky. After the flight was overbooked, and mm-hmm. um, I believe that the United personnel were looking to create rooms for our United employees. Right. They needed. They offered people compensation. People weren't getting off, so they proceed to get on this flight and put hands, <laughs> put hands on this man and drag him out of his seat. Um, so, needless to say, there he was like injured on his way out. I, I, I saw the video; it was like a bloody yeah. nose. Did you see? Did you yeah. actually watch the video? And everything? I didn't watch it. Yeah, no. I just did today to prep, and I really would have rather not because it's disturbing. And like, it's a lot. Like it's a, for a seat. A seat. That was a lot. And also, like whenever, unless you are arresting me, and that is even a. We, I can't even get into that today. Right. Whenever is it appropriate to put hands on people like that? Like, And then the response yes. from their CEO was just like, yeah. I don't remember the verbatim. He said but that the it man was, was belligerent. Right. Yeah. So, like, it's okay that you just called armed officers. Right. To like, drag. our employees followed procedure. He was belligerent. Why is this procedure? Right. Is <laughs> the question. Right. And then, so, so that was the f- initial response from the CEO. Come to find out, it's not procedure because, really? you know, the internet does their Googles <laughs> <laughs> and pulled up policy books and uh-huh. United Procedure so and documents. I don't even remember the details, but I read an article that pretty much said that, like, once uh, you've boarded the flight, they can't actually remove you. That Yeah, that seems right. accurate. So that seems accurate. I don't know the validity of it. All I know is the man left with a bloody nose. I believe he had a bit of a concussion. That's I believe crazy. he was maybe bit by a scorpion. I saw something like that, too. So right. he's going to be cashing in a check. Definitely. Um, and it was interesting. I saw that like a teacher was on board with his student, mm. and he wrote this open letter to his local paper, and he was just saying basically like we're showing kids that like mm. if you can't get someone to comply, the first mm. response mm. is violence. Mm. That's the world that we live in. Yeah. But Jeez. fun fact: I was talking to a friend, and they were telling me that you can check. Uh, which airlines um, do that, like, removal. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was, like... And avoid them. 
JetBlue doesn't do it at all. And oh, Delta okay. has like a very low percentage, although Delta has its own. Let me issues. tell you why I was on Instagram <laughs> the other day and my friend screenshot a voucher from Delta. She said there had been an inconvenience <laughs> last week. They gave her twenty thousand miles for that inconvenience. Yeah. People are out here shook <laughs> United and I do not blame them. Get your points. Listen, so they are fired, they are gone, fired, they are terminated, fired. do not support. Fired. Terrible, terrible. My second um, set of termination papers mm-hmm. this week um, is for Tori Birch. What did Tori do? Tori, you didn't hear about I this? I didn't hear about this. Oh, geez. So this one's a little, a little old, a couple weeks old. But you know, a couple weeks ago, Tori released a uh, an ad, a campaign. I'm not really sure what it was. It was like mm-hmm. a two and a half minute video okay. called Tory Story, An American Road Trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and in said video, we had some models, um, three models, all Caucasian, needless to say, which okay. is not abnormal. Okay. <laughs> you know, dancing around, but they're dancing to Juju on that beat. Which were they on beat? I'm just kidding. They were not on beat. <laughs> But you know, they're dancing around, and for those who are unfamiliar, that's a song by black rappers. I can't, I'm not gonna try to say their names. <laughs> Zay and Zay, Zay. Y'all the know youth. the song. The youth. Y'all know the song. No. <laughs> it was everywhere. You literally could not avoid it. And yes, masses enjoy it. But the video was poorly received. The Twitters and the uh-huh. internets tore it apart, per usual, because you have these. Three very beige women dancing to the song. There is a monkey handbag. There's a monkey handbag. There is a monkey handbag in the car um, as part of the video. And it just, it was just like, it just felt very like disconnected and Mm. exclusive and just like, just like it missed the mark. So Tori actually issued an apology. She responded well, um, in contrast with the United CEO. So, you know, we forgive you, but, you know, we gotta fire whoever was responsible because I think the lesson there is like, I think there's a, I don't know, I struggle a lot with the whole appropriation thing. There's a fine line between enjoying and being a consumer of content that's really created for everyone, and then just completely not giving credit or, um, you know, shining light or, honoring the communities that created mm-hmm. something. And I think sometimes with brands, especially when you're kind of capitalizing on a trend, it's sensitive for a lot of communities because the history is that those trends, that music, that culture is stolen and right. not kind of credited and given back to the community that originated. It. Right. So erasure. As erasure. The Twitter there you go. There you go. Yeah. Fashion always does this. They do that. They, they always do this. Yeah. Always. I think we know about these things more from the internet. But they keep getting dragged. Yeah. I just don't understand. And they just don't. They, they keep doing it. You know, I think it comes back to diversity and inclusion, though, around who's actually in the boardroom making these decisions. Like, True. Because I've seen many uh, diverse women with yes. a Tory Burch Hello. accessory. I got the shoes. So I got a bangle. Girl. Nobody <laughs> call me. <laughs> I got a bangle. <laughs> so y'all fired. Bye. Um, and then last but not least, I saved the best for last. Mm-hmm. Um, Pepsi <laughs> and Kendall Jenner. Foolish. And really Chris. Because <laughs> but you know what? As soon as it like came up on my Twitter feed, like as soon as I saw 
the hot take premise, yes. I was like, I have to watch this. Yeah, like, it's the amazing. Whole thing. It was it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Truly phenomenal. That was actually my reaction when I watched it. I was cackling. I was like, this is golden. Golden All that money. All that money. So y'all have to know about this, um, but you know, tone deaf ad from Pepsi. Protest, cops, beverages, Pepsi <laughs> solves racism. Look it up, but just really like, no. Just like no's all around. <laughs> My favorite was this meme I saw where they show, it was like a snippet of them dragging the United guy. Oh, but no. they had Kendall Pepsi. pop up with a pet. No. <laughs> <laughs> the internet is undefeated every uh. time. So, yeah, bye, all y'all. Pepsi could keep that apology to yeah. apologizing to Kendall. I was like, can you apologize to, to me? To, <laughs> to my eyeball, to the time I can't get right. back. Like, Shout out to Chris Jenner, though, because mama got you know. a check <laughs> you and know. she said, in the statement, you I will. Would like. <laughs> you will apologize. <laughs> Uh, but much. again, uh, just as we stated before, another example of, you know, looking at your team. Yeah, on it. for sure. No one, no one said anything Nobody. as we just spent millions of dollars. <laughs> and I know they had like a full campaign around this. Oh, you know, you know. Kendall was supposed to be their new exactly. global spokesperson. So, honey, there, were po- there are rollout. postcards, mm-hmm. cutouts, T-shirts. Every that whole, whole <laughs> do not take those to the post office, yank them. You know, there were some emergency calls. Oh my made. god, I feel bad for their PR. Oh people. my gosh, it's terrible. Ooh, and it's so oh hilarious, contrasted with uh, Bozema, who, who we're talking about last. You know, yeah. she would have never, Bozema yeah. would have never, yeah, when she was at Pepsi, would have never, yeah. Cool. So, y'all fight, bye, learn from this, <laughs> all of you. fun yes yeah we learned a little something Mm -hmm. shared a little something yes we hope you guys are feeling empowered and inspired to slay your week thank you so much to jessica kirkpatrick and the whole hire.com team Mm -hmm. for sharing your insights with us and thank you all for rocking with us week over week we're so humbled by all of the feedback about this new season y'all seem to be liking it so so yeah continue to hit us up tell us what you think tell us what you're curious about mm-hmm. uh, we're all over the web at joblogs and on joblogs.com yes and don't be selfish if you love this episode you like what you heard today share it with a friend or your timeline and uh tweet us and let us know like what was your favorite little nugget that we discussed or piece of information mm-hmm. and we'll get back to you yeah and i have an assignment okay in the spirit of this episode get your pencils and i paper. want you to identify <laughs> whatever it is you're pushing towards, mm. whatever the dream is, and tell us one way you are pushing toward it. Action. Mm. About that action. Okay. I'm going to do that too. Do I'm going to do it too. I need it. <laughs> Thank y'all. See you next time. See ya.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 